0: Thank you for tuning in. Today's guest is Maddie Hill, who is joining me from out to Way. And Maddie is actually the first guest I've had on the podcast that works in a hospital. She's a qualified dietitian, and I'm really looking forward to hearing all about her experience since graduating and how is she how she's finding um, working in the hospital environment. So thank you so much for joining me today, Maddie. It's great to have you here. No worries, it's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So let's get into it by talking a little bit about how you got started in the nutrition space. Where did your interest start?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I think in you know in school when you're deciding what to do, I was always very interested in health. Um, you know, I studied health and life biology and that kind of thing in school, um, and. I uh, was always interested in working with people. I definitely have an interest in working in a hospital, which is a bit weird because a lot of people really hate the hospital environment. <laughs> like, find it really weird and eerie, but I always loved it. You know, like when I was younger and went to visit people in hospital, I would just like be so interested in like the workings of it. Um, so I guess I kind of wanted to merge all of those things together. But as much as I do love the hospital environment, I hate like blood and like all that kind of stuff I knew I was not going to be like a nurse or a doctor that had to deal with that so um yeah I think someone suggested like dietetics or allied health I guess um so I looked into that and I think yeah nutrition and dietetics was probably the most suited to me at the time um yeah so I kind of ran with that from probably like yeah I think about year 11 year 10 um is when I Kind of set that goal, yeah. um, and I knew that there was a course at Monash that did um, an undergrad of nutrition and dietetics because I did want to do that clinical training um, of a dietitian yeah um, I guess that is the difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian is that that there's that clinical training um so a nutritionist obviously couldn't work in a hospital but a dietitian could so I guess I knew I wanted to do the dietetics part of it Mm -hmm. um so I yes the it was quite difficult to get into the Monash course as an undergrad so it was a good goal to set through school Mm -hmm. um and I yeah I did that's where I ended up at Monash doing the undergrad so the Bachelor of Nutrition and Dietetics which doesn't exist anymore. But um, yeah, (laughs) I was the last group that did that actually. So um, I kind of knew when I started uni that I was locked in for four years. I couldn't take any time off or anything because otherwise I wouldn't have a course to come back to. So um, yeah, I went straight from school, straight into uni. Um, And yeah, I did really enjoy the course at Monash. It was really, really great, pretty full on um compared to a lot of other uni courses you know I had friends studying like business or science or whatever and they were at uni like one day a week whereas you're there like four days a week and um yeah it's pretty pretty full-on but it was also a lovely um group like it was a really small group of people but it was so nice to um yeah get close with people and have people that you actually knew at uni and um have a really good group of friends yeah um yeah. So that's kind of where I, yeah, how I, where I studied and all of that, mm-hmm. but yeah. And now i um, working as a clinical dietitian.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I love that you knew from high school and you set yourself that goal and you found the right course and it all just slotted together so perfectly. It's, yeah, it's really cool because I know so many of us can sort of go into nutrition not knowing where we want to end up. But I love that you're showing that opposite perspective and you knew you wanted to be in the hospital setting and yeah, here you are now. (laughs) Yeah. I guess from like, yes, it was very smooth sailing from
1: school to uni, all worked out perfectly. I got into the course that I wanted to and I enjoyed that course, which I guess a lot of people don't necessarily have, but I think after I finished uni, like, yes, I'm working now um, in a job that I love and in the area that I wanted to work in, but that period of time from uni to getting this job was about like eight months and that was really, really tough.
0: (laughs) Yes. Tell us a little bit about how you went about finding this job and, yeah, were there a lot of applications involved in trying other places first until you found this one or, yeah, tell us more. I'm intrigued.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So I, yeah, so I finished uni and I, as I said, I did want to work in a clinical dietitian, like throughout my course we did, the dietetics component of the course is very heavy like um, heavily focused on clinical stuff, given that is like the differentiation between nutritionists and dietitians. So you do a lot of clinical placement. um, And I loved that part of it. I didn't love the other parts of it. So I knew I wanted to work clinically, but um, it is super competitive. Um, I think when I finished, there was like three clinical like grad positions. So in like the big Melbourne hospitals, only about three, that in the whole like the whole of victoria <laughs> three grad um clinical job so obviously it's super competitive um yeah. and i did apply for those positions but um wasn't successful so um then a lot of you know a lot of people had suggested going um regional is an is a little bit easier to get a job as obviously not everyone's willing to do that yeah. um so once i finished i started applying any clinical jobs whether they were the grad positions or a grade, like in dietetics, there's a grade system, so like mm-hmm. grade one, two, three, four. Um, so I did start applying for some grade one positions, even in Melbourne, but they're super competitive. Like I didn't really um, have a chance with minimal experience, but um, you still just apply. I mean, it's good good practice regardless. Oh, um, and I applied for quite a few regional positions as well. And then went. So this is over like an eight month period. I, I reckon I did about 40 written applications and probably like I think six interviews or something like that before I got my um, current job. Yeah. And th- that was probably like, it's pretty awful, um, defeating kind of experience going through applications and then getting rejected or just like not hearing back. I feel like so many places just never respond to your application um but yes just kept kept putting them in and kept going and um yeah eventually i yeah obviously applied for an interview for my position and got that um which was very very exciting after yeah eight months of just yeah <laughs> not hearing back or whatever it was um yeah really really good to get something and honestly moving regionally is probably the best thing I think I could have done for me um like obviously to get a job in in a hospital um in Melbourne I think it's just so so competitive um but in the regional setting yeah it's not as many applicants um but still a lot definitely still a lot and um it's but yeah a regional hospital is just an amazing place to learn and like the hospital I work at is not super small it's still got like 300 beds um but it's just um a bit of a like because it is regional obviously it's um there's no not so much specialty areas it's just all kind of in one and you just can um you know get a really good experience across a whole different a whole range of areas um definitely a positive of moving regionally yeah
0: yeah absolutely um so first up i want to ask you a little bit more about the application process so obviously you went through so many applications yeah. um what were they like in terms of how involved were they what sort of um, things were necessary to apply for each of those jobs i can imagine it would have taken a lot of time to... yeah
1: Yeah. Um, definitely the like hospital jobs they're very structured and um everything so you often have like, you always have your resume and your cover letter um, but there's often key selection criteria, okay. and that's of about depends on the um, you know the organisation. But maybe like eight questions, and they'll often give a, a, like a maximum of maybe two hundred words per question or two pages for the whole thing, yeah. something like, like that. But it's re, it's actually really hard to then condense what you want to write into that amount. Um, so yeah, I found that really tricky, and you obviously want to um, and there's, there's a whole like star model for answering questions like that. i going back now over a year, but um, there's, um, you know, so it's quite involved. You want to put examples into your question, and, uh, to your answer, sorry, and, um, you know, answer it in a clinical way, show your clinical experience, but um, yeah, but also show kind of you, how you're different to other people. So it's, yeah, it's quite involved, um, that, that key selection criteria part of it yeah. um so yeah that's generally the first part of the application is that um like that written part mm-hmm. um for, for hospital jobs um I did apply for other jobs not just hospital um because I was you know halfway through all my application process I was like maybe clinicals not for me if I'm not getting anything maybe I'll just have to have to open up my um my options so yeah. I yeah applied for other jobs like um in like food industry or all different kind of things and they're probably not quite as structured just given hospitals are such big organizations it's quite um yeah structured and you submit it all online so you have like no real contact with anyone from the hospital but one piece of advice a lot of people um told me or even in, in uni is to always call the organization first and just um just so they you show your name and just ask a few questions, um, really like specific questions about the role. Yep. So you just show your interest and put your name out there.
0: Yeah. I mean, it
1: won't yeah. do any harm.
0: Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. No, that's a really good tip. Yeah. Awesome. And yeah. so once you your application is reviewed, um, what's the interview process like? So for where you are now at Latrobe Trobe Regional, yeah. um, were there multiple interviews or was it just one and you were lucky enough to get it straight away? Or yeah, yeah how was that?
1: We, um, there was definitely a phone interview for the job I'm in now. I didn't do this for all the interviews, but um, for the job I'm in now, I had a phone interview first. And yeah. um, which I actually loved because I could have all my like um, kind of questions typed up for just kind of little bits and pieces, mm-hmm. um, you know, that I had brainstormed before about things they might ask me. And I think given I'd done so many applications, even just written ones before that, yeah. I kind of had really not perfected, but I had a pretty good um, idea of what kind of questions they might ask, you, ask me. And um And had examples and that kind of thing ready to go so the phone was great because it was um, not um yeah not quite as stressful we didn't have to think as much on the spot but then following that um yeah there was an in-person interview yeah and um I had done other um interviews before this but this one was a little bit different in the sense that we um started off with a like a face-to-face interview with the manager and um, another dietitian, and, um, you know, they just asked some some questions, some like just general questions about me and then, um, you know, some scenarios and some clinical questions. But then they actually had a written component to the, um, to the interview as well, which was a bit different. So it was, um, it was kind of like case of little case studies. Um, yeah. So focusing on some clinical stuff, but also some like prioritization kind of um yeah work that um so that was really um really interesting but I actually and you had a time limit on your written um the written part of it and I actually didn't I didn't finish it yeah I only answered three out of the four questions I remember this very clearly and um my I was so like I was so frustrated with myself for doing that just like not giving myself enough time um and whatever so I actually after the interview I um, went home and I knew exactly what I would have written for their question so I had it in my head so I actually went back and emailed the um, my now manager um, with what I would have written for that question so I don't know if that was like something that made me get the job but um, <laughs> there's a, a good tip if you ever have to have to do a written thing and you need to run out of time um, yeah I, you know, I explained that obviously I um, should have managed my time better. Um, And that's why I didn't answer it. So yeah.
0: Gosh, it's like an exam, isn't it? Yeah, it
1: was, (laughs) but I hadn't done that before. And all the other interviews I'd done, even like hospital ones, it had just been all like face to face, but
0: yeah. That's a yeah, yeah that's so good and such great initiative going and emailing them after that is yeah brilliant <laughs> advice um and i reckon that definitely would have got you brownie points
1: <laughs> i was like what did i have to lose like uh, yeah was gonna be like elevate me or just i wasn't gonna get a job anyway so
0: yeah, yeah that's a brilliant way to look at it yeah i like it awesome um so before you also mentioned about the grades of dietitian do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Because I've always been so curious, and it sounds like from what you were saying earlier that it's based on experience and um, sort of yeah. expertise. Or yeah, what is that? It actually
1: definitely is based. On, so I'm like on my position now. I'm a grade one. Like I'm not a graduate. I'm just a grade one. Yeah. Um, so I guess grade one, you don't really have to have experience. There's no like set, um, uh, set differentiation between like grade one, two, three, four. It's kind of just. Yeah, as you there's not like you have to be a grade one for three years and then you can become a grade two. There's nothing like that. It's kind of just um, more based on when when there's a position available. Okay, um, and like you, yeah, it might be a grade one. At a, a hospital of grade two position comes up, you apply for it. Yeah, that's more so thing. I could like I could apply for a grade two position now if I wanted to. I probably wouldn't get it, but um, like there's yeah, it's just kind of um, based on when you are apply for a position of a higher grade. Okay. Um, and obviously through the grades, um, like you like a grade two, you'd become more of like a supervisor role, you might supervise students and stuff like that. You might do more project work. Yeah. Um, and then as you go up to grade three and four, it just becomes more in like a management kind of position and more like supervising role. You're yeah. still doing legal stuff as well, but it just take, you get yeah more responsibility in that sense and more project work. So yeah. less patient work, more projects, that kind of thing. Oh, cool. Yeah. So there's uh, no set out rules. It's just yeah.
0: Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. cool. I wasn't sure if there was like some further study or like a test you needed to take, but yeah, that's really clarified yeah. it really well.
1: Yeah. Nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you actually are doing in your day-to-day in a hospital setting.
1: Yeah, sure. So um majority of my work is um with patients one-on-one yeah um so i'll cover two wards in my role at the moment um and they're just at the hospital our like general medicine wards. so pretty much any patient that is admitted they're not like a surgical patient or a maternity patient or a child they'll come to me yep. or on my ward um and yeah so I see patients one-on-one majority of the day with a few little like meetings here and there and I do a few little projects a little bit of research work but most of my role is um, with patients Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess the kind of patients that we see um, so in the hospital I guess our bread and butter for dietitians is um, malnutrition so pretty much the opposite to what the general population think dietitians do. Um, so we see people who generally they're coming into hospital um, malnourished for whatever reason. So maybe they're going through cancer treatment and they're unable to eat from all the awful side effects of their treatment or from the actual cancer itself is impacting their um, ability to eat. Um, they might have like a chronic condition, maybe like a lung condition or a heart condition, um, that again will impact, um, their ability to eat. Um, and yeah, so we see a lot of people from malnutrition. So they do, they've generally lost a fair bit of weight recently. They've got a poor appetite and they're not eating very well for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we work with, um, them to develop a number of like strategies to increase their intake or we use a lot of um like oral nutrition support so like your sustenance and that kind of thing um and we obviously do a bit of tube feeding as well Mm -hmm. um in more extreme
0: cases um is that something you do or do like doctors and nurses do that sort of stuff
1: um, we like prescribe everything that goes
0: down the tube.
1: Yes. Um, but we like nurses, like will put in a, a tube. So if there's like the main type of tube we would use in the short term is like a tube that goes from your nose down into your stomach. Yep. Um, and nurses can just insert that when you're like awake in the bed. Um very interesting. And then, yeah. <laughs> I love tube feeding. It's like definitely an interest area for me, like one of my favorite things to do. Get very excited about patients when they need it, um need a tube, but not for the patient, but um for my work. It's, yeah, opposite it's, to their reaction. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um yeah but we do yeah so we work out all you know everything it's a lot of like calculations and everything to work out what kind of formula they need through the tube how much they're going to need whether we're going to do it over like a 24-hour period or just maybe overnight or we can do it in like little boluses like so shorter just a um just a a quick amount um yes so that is yeah kind of and a lot of, um, we do a lot of tube feedings in patients post-stroke. So if the stroke has affected a part of their brain that affects their ability to swallow, yeah. um, sometimes they need a tube. Um, or stroke patients, sometimes they just need like a modified diet. So like something like puree or really soft, thickened fluids, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so we often work with that because that's they're very unlikely to meet their nutritional needs through that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, So we obviously do a fair bit of like malnutrition stuff, tube feeding, oral nutrition support. We also do um, education. So that might be patients with like newly diagnosed diabetes or maybe they've had some kind of surgery and they need to follow a special diet after that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, they're kind of the main patients I see out on the wards a lot of cancer patients to be honest um probably if it takes up yeah maybe like a third of the patients i see that cancer patients or even more um just because the side effects of their treatment and um can just be so awful and
0: on yeah. there. that would be body. hard to see
1: yeah yeah I and mean, i think yeah definitely working in a hospital you know you experience um a lot of people who like you follow patients and you just see them decline and it's pretty mm-hmm. awful but then you also see those patients that do really well and um get better or make some really good improvements so for yeah. all the like sadness um there's always like positive things as well so yeah,
0: yeah. it would be so rewarding when you do have those cases that are really successful.
1: yeah yeah mm-hmm. absolutely well we do have a little bit of um at the moment i just have an influx of um eating disorder patients as well. So we see a few people who are like, obviously really unwell, so they've been admitted to hospital with um, their eating disorder. So that was a really interesting but challenging area. Um, yes. Very challenging. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Interesting. So is it just when they're in the hospital that you deal with them or do they ever like come back for advice or do you sort of just when they're ready to be um, to go home, do you provide them with like yes, some advice to carry on with when they're on their own?
1: Um, yeah, I think that is the one thing I, I struggle with a little bit in the hospital is that I only look after them while they're an inpatient. So um, sometimes it's really hard to feel like you're making a difference because you've just started and then they're going home. And yeah. um, so with a lot of things like even like malnutrition, like when they're in hospital, I'm only managing it. I'm not treating it. Like I'm, ne- they're never going to make a full recovery um you know or gain the weight that they've lost back or whatever in that short period they're in hospital yeah um, so it, it can be a little bit tricky but yeah we only see patients so that we might like, only see patients in the hospital and our yep. hospital only has a few like outpatient services so that is like um people with like tube feeds at home um we do that and we do like a few other little specialty things but we barely see any outpatients so I think it is really important there to refer on and we do have um, like some community dietitians that we definitely refer on to um, as much as we can Um, but you know often it's still a bit of a gap between when they see you and see the dietitian and they have to get to know someone new so it can be um yeah it can be a little bit hard to just like let them go um (laughs) and yeah i wish sometimes that we could follow them up in the in the community but we just we just can't so yeah it's quite like so often um it's quite fast paced as in the patients come in and they're generally discharged within a few days so you don't have time to work with them unless they've got um a lot of issues or other times we do have like a rehab in our hospital so a lot of my patients do go to rehab um and there's another dietitian down there who follows them so that can
0: be good um yeah
1: just see them we'll follow them through there a little bit but yeah, yeah most of the time it's refer on to the community
0: yeah interesting that sounds yeah really fascinating i'm, <laughs> I'm enjoying learning about the hospital setting
1: another thing that, although i was um thinking about before is that in hospital like the patients aren't making an effort to come and see you like as in yeah. in like a private practice or even the community like they're physically going to that appointment they're paying for that appointment whereas when yeah. they can when i see them at uh, um in the hospital like they often they're very appreciative of your help but sometimes they're just like couldn't care less about you and <laughs> what you're doing um and that kind of thing so yeah, is it different? Like, and but it's also like a free service. So sometimes, yeah, it's it's just a different kind of um, uh, way of doing things compared to like in the community or private yeah. practice. Or whatever. that's yeah. a really
0: good point. Yeah, do you find that impacts their compliance? Like, do you ever get people being like, "No, I'm not doing that."
1: Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> especially in things like um, like diabetes is a really it's an area I really struggle in because I think. Or like people who are like newly diagnosed often or or are really non-compliant with their treatment that's why they're in hospital um i find them a really hard patient group to work with um and also patients who are like on dialysis as well i find them really tricky because they often come into hospital because they're unwell because they're not they're like non-compliant with their treatment so then you're trying to come in and educate them and or provide them with education or nutrition support or whatever it is but um yeah sometimes they're just not interested and (laughs) you really want to help them but they yeah you can only only do what you can do and yeah yeah, i will say like you know you you can recommend things as much as you want but at the end of the day you can't force that patient to eat or drink whatever your your recommendation is so
0: so true have to want to do it
1: (laughs) yeah that's it
0: yeah Awesome. And so in terms of, do you work mostly alone or do you have a bit of a team? You mentioned there was another dietitian in the rehab section. So do you guys work together at all or how's that work?
1: Yeah. Yeah, So at the hospital I work at, we have, I definitely have a team of dietitians. We have, um, there's eight of us at the hospital, um, So, yeah, we we all work really closely. Like we obviously each have our own caseload. So when I'm actually on the ward or whatever, I'm by myself. But I can always call them or um, message them or something if I have any, if I need any help or anything. And we catch up. We have like a team meeting in the day and um, obviously have our breaks together and everything. Um, So, yeah, it is really, really good. We hand over patients all the time, um, chat about, you know, our management of patients, if we're having any issues, complex patients, that kind of thing. Um, But I also work, so not like that's my dietitian team, but also on our, the wards I work in, we have like allied health team. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've got physio, occupational therapy, speech pathology, who we work very closely with, Um, social work. um, And then we've got like diabetes educators, um, we have, like, nurses that specialise in different areas as well. Um, and then we've obviously got all the ward nurses and the medical teams that, um, yeah, you're always working with people, uh, different yep. people from all of those different teams. Um, and I think, yeah, it is really important with patients in the hospital that often got so much going on mm-hmm. that you do take that team approach and you do um, work with the teams, not against them, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, and that can be a huge challenge in our our job as well is making sure that everyone's got the same goal for the patient. Um, yeah. yeah, and also, yeah, like advocating for your patient with it's generally the medical team that you have to work hard with. Um, but yeah, they obviously everyone's trying to do the best for the patient, but sometimes you know it's just getting on the same page can be difficult, but,
0: yeah. Um, That would be such a great way to learn, like working with so many different modalities. I feel like you'd just Mm -hmm. always be learning so many new things and yeah, it would be fascinating.
1: Absolutely, I think um, I'd definitely come home with it um, at the end of every day, like having learned something. Like it might be something really small, but I feel like there's so much to learn in the hospital and so many people to learn from that. Um, Yeah, just continual learning, which is good.
0: Yeah, amazing. That sounds very cool. And how do you think it differs to a non-regional hospital? Do you reckon there are a lot of differences between being out there and being in the city? or? Um, I think um, in my role, so in the wards
1: that I work in, yes. because I, like I said, that any um, person that comes into hospital that's like not specialised is comes to my ward whereas yeah. in a hospital like um in a Melbourne hospital like a metro hospital they'd have like a stroke ward they would have um you know all different specialty wards that yeah. we don't have so I think where I've started working in on these wards has been amazing because I've got a little taste of everything yeah um, so that's yeah being really really good in that sense but um I think I think just everything's on a smaller scale in our in our hospital um yeah in terms of um it's just we just don't have as, as many patients but we still do pretty much everything that metro hospi- hospitals do
0: yeah it still sounds like you'd be pretty busy but probably just yeah, on extreme stressful scale hopefully <laughs> hopefully it's a yeah, more no, definitely. scale <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. And yeah, I like how you mentioned you do a bit of everything as opposed to the specializing. That would be, yeah, Yeah. so cool. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Awesome. Um, So what would your advice be around the skills needed to work in a hospital setting? Like what are some of the main ones that you need as um, a dietitian in a hospital and that you would advise other people build upon to be able to go down a similar career pathway?
1: Uh, yeah I think um a huge one is prioritization like being able to get all your referrals at the start of the day and sometimes that is a lot like far more than you could see in that day Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's about working out you know who's the most important um, you know and knowing you know how long everything's kind of going to take you to plan your day um, and you know sometimes it's not a bad thing if you don't get to everyone like you can only do what you can do but um it's just working out who's the most important who's going to need you the most but and then also being willing to ask for help from other team members if you need um which i think is really important that you, you're never going to be able to do everything yourself yeah. um so sometimes it's admitting that as well um which is hard when you start out because you really want to show that you can do everything um, but definitely important to ask for help um and i guess going hand in hand with that is organization and just um, being on top of things especially in the wards that i work in it's quick um you know patients are discharged pretty quick so it's being on top of when patients are getting discharged um or if they've been discharged where they've gone or you know what kind of procedures or things are going on with that patient that going to impact um, your time with them or your management with them yeah um, I think that's really really important um, but also being adaptable because sometimes you will you know prioritize your day and everything um, you've got it all planned out and then things come along and you get referrals here and there and they're more important than the ones you've planned to see so um, yeah just being able to change it. Uh, change your day around and be okay with that, um, which is something I definitely struggle or yeah struggled with. I'm definitely, I feel like I've gotten a bit better at that, but um yeah, something to get used to. Um, but also, like I was saying before, you work with so many different people and so many different teams that it's so important to be able to um, communicate with them and, um, you know, use your like people skills to advocate for your patients with... Um, with the teams, um, which can be a bit intimidating, especially at the start, you know, talking to like doctors and there's so many different doctors knowing which one to speak to. And then, um, you know, really trying to get your point across, um, and what, you know, what you really want for that patient. And, um, I think that's, yeah, really, really tough starting out. Yeah. In- getting used to that um I still definitely struggle with that to get so nervous to talk to um doctors or you know talk in team meetings or family meetings or whatever it is it's um yeah something that's yeah a bit nerve-wracking but it's you know it's all for your patients so that's you know what you're there to do so it's pretty important
0: yeah um, and is there much continued education involved? Like I imagine keeping track of so many different cases and, yeah, the variety that you do see. Do you find you're constantly continuing to study and learn new things and really dive into more content?
1: Absolutely, definitely. Um, I yeah, I feel like I'll constantly be learning um in the hospital, but yeah. I think also the best way to learn is, do things um but with asking like for help along the way like get being guided by other people or the literature or the guidelines or whatever but i think um to just kind of get into it and you know you might say the wrong thing to a patient or whatever but you'll you'll learn from that but definitely as a team we do a lot of um like professional development um like every week we do have um at least a like um an hour professional development like allocated time yeah. and that can be really good um whether you're learning from other dietitians or you're we're watching like webinars or that kind of thing um, it's definitely encouraged to do stuff like that um it is. and it's really important
0: yeah absolutely that's really good that it's included as part of the role mm-hmm. too i really like yeah. that yeah. yeah and is there a lot of paperwork involved no oh, yes <laughs> <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Our hospital is like probably one of few now in um, like Melbourne and regional areas that is still paper based. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of like the metro hospitals have gone to electronic medical records, yep. but we are still paper based. So mm-hmm. yes, every time I see a patient, you have to like write everything out, and you know it is like a like a document, like a legal medical document. So you have to really make sure you include everything just to cover your bases. Um, yeah. so you do spend a lot of time, um, yeah, writing, your notes <laughs> to the patients, um, I feel like, you know, you can go see the patient for 20 minutes and then you spend like an hour writing notes, or maybe not an hour, but you know, 40 minutes writing, um, notes. Yeah, it is, it is a lot, but, um, I often, often find it a good way to reflect on, you know, what I've spoken to the patient about as well or, yeah. um, or what they've told me, um, so, yeah, I mean, it's all important, but, um, yeah, sometimes it's a bit of a drag to write that many notes. <laughs> yeah,
0: it <laughs> yeah, sounds like it would be quite full on. But, yeah, there mm-hmm. are those benefits to it as well, as you mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, and what would you say your vision is and like what are you currently working on as a hospital based dietitian?
1: yeah i think definitely at the moment so i've been at the hospital for about a year now but i feel still like i'm learning so much and Mm -hmm. i just want to get in um as much as experience as i can across a whole range of areas um so i'm I'm actually about to change my caseload around so i'm moving to a surgical ward and into radiotherapy that would be something like completely um new um and a bit more yeah a challenge in the sense I haven't worked in those areas so it'd be um really good to do that but yeah so it's mainly just getting experience in a whole range of areas um and to have a little few little projects that I'm working on as well that um like one around um tube feeding post-stroke and that kind of thing that I would really love to see come to light um but yeah I think it's just mainly Getting as much experience as I can, and um, even if it's not part of my case, though, like if I have an area that I'm really interested in or something I, like a condition I want to see, or whatever, I'm more than happy to ask other dietitians to, you know, get if they have um, experience in that area to, you know, help me out with that. So, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Do you have a mentor or anything in that sort of a setting? Yeah, yeah. So I have, um, like, at work, we all have a supervisor.
1: Um, so another dietitian, so I have like a grade two dietitian supervising me. Um, and that's really great. We do like, um, supervision, like fortnightly or around about that. Um, and so that's a really good time to set goals and set, um, you know, talk about, um, areas that you're interested in or, um, you want to focus on or areas to improve in, um, and, you know skill to work on that kind of thing yeah so that is really good and then obviously I have my mentor out in the so the dietitians association of australia that have just changed the name to dietitians australia um but you have to have a mentor for your first year out of um as a dietitian you have to have a mentor through them so um I do have yeah a mentor outside of work as well um, but she works in private practice, so it's not really like, it's good for dietitian things, but not, she, you know, she hasn't really got much clinical experience. So it's just good to have someone outside of work that you can chat with and, um, reflect with.
0: Yeah. And having that other perspective from someone who does something different, I'm sure there's still things that you can draw on as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Um, and what would you say makes a successful dietitian in the hospital setting?
1: Ooh, um, I think as, like going back to those skills that we've talked about before, like your prioritization, um, your advocacy skills, um, obviously your clinical knowledge comes into it as well. But I think like even my current manager has said when they look for people for roles, they're um, more look at the person and how they fit into the team and that kind of thing. So I think being a team player is huge um, as well. Um, you know, you, you can learn your clinical knowledge like, and that will just come with experience as well. But it's more about, yeah, probably more your people skills, teamwork skills and prioritisation, I think, are probably your biggest things.
0: Yeah, it sounds super important. <laughs> mm. yeah. What would you say your advice is to anyone who does want to go down the hospital path, knowing what you know now um, and how difficult it can be to get into it, what would you say, yeah, to someone who is just finishing up their studies and wanting to apply?
1: Yeah, I think um, that yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to get a job. I mean, it may not be fair, one, but um, it is super competitive. So you need to find areas that are gonna make you stand out or be your point of difference. Um, so I think doing little bits of experience where you can, um, yeah. you know, pr- while you're still at uni. Or I, to be honest, I didn't do a heap of other stuff while I was in um uni so more in that time after uni I did some um really odd r- volunteer work um that you know it may not be super relevant to the clinical role like I did some work with Nutrition Australia I did um some like data like data analysis of food products for a book like really random little bits of things and I found them through the weirdest connections um but I think you know they're, things that um, you know show your willingness and show that you're um, you're really interested and that kind of thing um, can be really really good just yeah volunteer stuff or work experience I um, shadowed a few dietitians just like I messaged them on um, on LinkedIn and just did a bit of shadowing with them um, so I think it's those t- little things that you do that yeah might be a bit uncomfortable and put um, to start off with, but they're probably the things that are gonna make you stand out because it is that written application, I guess, that makes, um, you know, what you need to stand out in to get an interview. I mean, I think most people would do better in an interview, um, but it's that written application where they have so many that you need to kind of stand out in, Um, yeah. yeah. But also with your part-time work or casual work or whatever, um what you know making sure that that is going to be a little bit relevant like I worked in customer service and I think those people skills that I learned in that were so transferable into my current role so yeah I guess yeah, they're my pieces of advice for
0: that yeah amazing and who would you say this kind of job is not for <laughs>
1: <Ooh>. <laughs> um Uh, I don't know. I think that the typical dietitian is a little bit of a perfectionist. Um, That's very well known, I think. But having said that, there's definitely dietitians I work with that are not perfectionists. Um, So I don't know. I think that anyone could be a a clinical dietitian. Um, But I don't know. When I did my placements, I really disliked... um, like public health, I really like disliked the grayness of it, the ambiguity of it. Yeah. So um, maybe I just like structure and that kind of thing. So maybe a clinical dietitian is more that like structure kind of thing rather than yeah, someone who likes the ambiguity of um, of their work.
0: Yeah, that's a good answer. That was a really hard question. <laughs> but I, was just, I was curious if there was any like standout. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. Um, so if you could recommend one book for every listener to read, what would it be and why?
1: Yeah, nutrition-based or just Anything. in general? Anything you think is important. Yeah. Because um, I, I don't really consume that much like nutrition stuff outside of work to be honest I feel like um oh, apart from like following people on Instagram and like podcasts whatever I don't really consume that much nutrition stuff so I was like oh a book about nutrition I don't really read them to be like, honest but um <laughs> probably a bit late on the bad bandwagon here but I read normal people not that long ago and I loved that like yeah. I read it super quick um so that's probably my recommendation I loved that and I love the series of it as well so
0: I have heard very good things about that one yeah Yeah. (laughs) seems super interesting Mm. awesome um and in nutrition we are in the business of helping other people but how important is it for you to take care of your own health
1: oh yeah absolutely i think that's so yeah so important And i think the biggest thing um i guess i've learned is the importance of work-life balance especially starting out um with, you know, a job that you put, a, well, I put a lot of pressure on myself um, and it's very easy to take that home with you. But I think if you can, um, you know, switch off from work, especially in a hospital setting where it can be quite full on, um, switch off from work, have time to yourself um outside you know, and not thinking about work, um, yeah. I think that's hugely important and definitely something that I probably still work on. I still need to work on, you know, I often have dreams about my patient at night, so oh, I need wow. to really <laughs> switch off. But um, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing is if you're, you know, if you're um, bringing your work home with you, you're not going to be relaxed and ready to go to work the next day. But similarly, if you're bringing your life into work, you're not going to be able to do um, you know, work to the best of your ability. And I think that really um, shows, like, you can see some people that really struggle with that. But I think that's really the most important thing for your health as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you find there is a lot of overtime with your kind of job, or is, are you able to keep it within the structured hours?
1: Yeah, most days definitely able to keep it within the structured hours. And it's definitely from like our managers, um, is you know, they don't want you staying late at all. They want um, you to yeah, leave work on time. Um, but, you know, you have your odd day here and there where something goes wrong or you have a really complex patient or whatever it is and you stay back a bit. But, yeah, um, yeah there's no, you're definitely not, not expected to or it's discouraged to do that. So, yeah, yeah, most days I finish on time. But, yeah, and I don't really like ever do work. At home, like there's nothing really that I can you can't which is great because you can't bring home your patient's file or whatever it's, so that's good
0: <laughs> yeah so good <laughs> that's brilliant yeah. awesome well this has been so interesting I feel like I've learned so much I really had no idea what a hospital job entails but <laughs> this has been super insightful is there anything that we haven't been over today or any um, parting words of advice that you want to give to the listeners
1: not really, I guess um, just when, you know, if you are in that job application process, like it's tough, but I think the best piece of advice I can give is just keep keep going. Every application or every um, interview you do, you're going to learn something from it and you're going to, you know, get a little bit better um, or, you know, have get some feedback as well. That's a huge thing actually, is um, getting feedback from your applications um and from the interviews if you can um i think that's hugely important um but other than that just yeah keep pushing it's super tough and everyone's you know most people are in the same road it's really competitive tough to get a job as a dietitian especially clinically but i'm sure if you want it bad enough and you work hard enough you can get there
0: yeah absolutely brilliant advice um and where can the listeners follow along your journey um yeah and get to know you a bit more
1: yes um i don't really have like any social media or anything but where you found me um (laughs) is on linkedin um so you're welcome to like follow me on that um I yeah but I like I don't really have any social media or anything like that um but yeah on LinkedIn feel free to message me or anything I'm very happy to yeah, yeah help out if anyone wants any advice or yeah more than happy to
0: amazing thank you so much for being here today it's been awesome I've really enjoyed um learning from you
1: no worries thank you
0: thanks I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it, and I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. Your support means so much to me, and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality.